Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. My name is Travis Jones. You're here with myself and Jason Barrett today. Jace, how you doing, mate? I've got a blocked eardrum, so I'm a little bit off balance today. But uh, yeah, and it's good though. It's come in my in my deload week, so I'm not feeling you know bad or guilty for for missing training and uh, and feeling like I've fallen off the wagon. Which interestingly enough is the uh, the topic of today's podcast. One hundred percent, mate. We are talking about how to rebound from a setback if you've fallen. Then how is the fastest way to get back on track and also minimizing the damage caused from that setback? Now, if you're a human being, you've, you've started some diet or training program in life and you've fallen off the wagon. It's just, it happens. Every single human, I would say there's probably not a human being out there that this hasn't happened to. I bet you probably this happened to David Goggins. I'm not going to lie. It probably has. Um, but when we it look at- David Goggins, <laughs> if it hasn't, let us know. Um, uh, but when we look at it, uh, I think it's happened to everyone. So we have to understand this is common humanity. If it's happened to you, it's happened to everyone else. It's like, it's not you, it's mm. the human race. So I think it's rather than like like going, oh, woe is me, what's wrong with me? It's like, it's nothing wrong with you, you're just a human being. Um, and I think if we can gain common humanity in this and understand this does happen to people and it happens to every single person on this planet who is trying to better themselves and they have some form of plan, there is a moment in time where you will fall off the plan. Mm. But the biggest thing that I, and you'll probably, I've fallen off the plane more times than once. Okay. And, you know, in my lifetime. And I think the biggest thing for me is it's, it's staying down for less time each time I fall off. Uh, I, that's honestly the biggest thing you have to look at. It's like, okay, if I fell off the plan, some people stay down for like a month. Some people stay down for a year. Some people stay down for a week. It's like understanding it's like, if you fell off the plan and last time you fell off and you like went like this whole screw it mentality and you fell off the plan for four weeks and you put a little bit of weight back on, you have to go, well, I'm not going to stay down for that long this time. Your whole ability to pivot back faster and rebound and flip the switch faster and faster. So it comes down to two weeks or a week or a day when you fall off. And that's going to the be the key to consistency and long-term transformation. Because when you fall off and you've got a long-term transformation and you fall off for only a day or two days, or you're going on holiday for a week or whatever it is, it doesn't really make a big impact when you have 51 other weeks where you nailed your plan. Like that one week where you fell off, it doesn't really matter. So I think it's being key of understanding how long you fell off and how can I pivot back faster next time. We spoke about this a little bit at the um, on the Easter podcast, which was a couple of you know a month a bit ago. For those of you who catch up with us live, but it um, there's obviously more reasons than just a holiday why people fall off the bandwagon, right? And that's something that we want to run through uh, in a bit more detail. Is what are some of the reasons why you tend to fall off? How can you learn from them? How can you minimize them as well in the future? And then we'll take a look at well, how do you get back on effectively? And having a plan obviously is the is the biggest thing going into anything where you think it might throw you out. But I want to talk about the, the language is always so intense right like thinking about you know fucking 1800s you know pioneers you're rolling across the sandy desert terrain and there's like a wagon being pulled by some mules or some shit and you fall off the wagon right and then you're left in the ditch and then the wagon just keeps on going right that's the uh that's the mentality that a lot of people um have when they think of that they think of oh i've fallen off the wagon and basically you're being left behind but there's another wagon coming along every minute 
right? Like it's 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 not a it's not a permanent um it's not a permanent situation where now you've got to wait like a certain period of time or you've got to go through certain experiences. Like you can get up and get back on as as quickly as you decide to. Um, but for a lot of people, they just don't have that mentality to get back into it straight away. Yeah, mate. I, I definitely not a wagon anymore. It's more like an Uber. You can just call up the next one, you get in it, and you keep going forward. So I think it's a conga line. Just fucking wheel back in. <laughs> exactly, because everyone's going in the same direction. Um, yeah. People fall off, and you just want to jump back in line. Yeah. I, I honestly think that's so crucial for people to understand. I think the internal language is probably the biggest thing that holds people back. So. Why people fall off, it can be some form of, we are talking about before, there's some form of tragedy. Um, I've had clients in the past where, you know, they may have been separated with their partner and, you know, they've lost their kid in the custody battle or they've something's happened with their kids or they've divorced or they've had an injury. Um, you know, they've like lost uh, their job at work. So it's like there's all these little nuances or it, honestly it could be just, something minor that you catastrophized so you had a bad day at work and then you all of a sudden you're like oh my work's going to fire me they haven't fired you so you don't know um and you start to catastrophize catastrophize over this and you make it bigger to what it seems you have this kind of anxiety build up inside yourself and then you shut down everything else and you focus on just like the your work right or just your relationship so i think there's so many different points that do throw us off. I think some of us have certain triggers that will throw us off as well. Um, so if it happens more often than not, you need to identify those triggers and try and take them out. But then once you have the triggers, I think the language, and you're so good with this, Jace, the language and your self-dialogue and flipping that self-dialogue is probably the biggest thing you need to do to start to get back on track before the training, before anything. It's like you're the internal mindset battle with your communication with yourself. Like if you talk to yourself um, like you would your best friend, right? You know, so we're asked, we tell, we call ourselves a failure. We call ourselves a loser. We say we can't do anything. What's wrong with you? Imagine if you said that to your best friend, you know, they definitely wouldn't be your best friend anymore, right? So, so, so we need to start being kinder to ourselves. I think that's probably one of the biggest things, but I like to sprinkle a bit of kindness with actually a bit of reality and ownership as well. So don't just be soft on yourself. It's like, whoa, is me like self-love movement. Yeah. You know, you fell off, you're human, but don't love yourself into obesity. Love yourself into being the healthiest version of you and get back on track. Yeah, that's what love really is, right? It's, uh, it's the same thing. Think about it. you're talking to your partner. Your partner falls off the wagon or, or you know, gets caught up in something. It's often the, the shame and the guilt around the experience that creates the negative spiral as opposed to the experience itself, right? Um, there's, uh, there's so many reasons why people do it. But as you said, the awareness of that and then shifting that language to, in my opinion, more realistic. Because as you said, people will catastrophize in their head and they'll use the most dramatic language like, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I can never do anything like this. Well, fuck, you just did it for 10 weeks in a row and now you've had two mm. days where you haven't done it. So you're bullshitting yourself. You're like, no, you know what? I've stuck to this for 10 weeks. That's pretty good. That's a solid effort. Now I'm just going to focus on getting back into it. You're right. So it's really reshaping that, that mental language, which we'll go into a little bit more on the sort of the second, the back half of it when we talk a bit more about getting back on track. But um, even going into this now, while you're in that rut and when you get into that rut, it's because they, the people, you know, they use language like a rut and, um, you know, falling off the wagon. Those things just, they create a very, a very visceral visual image. Um, but yeah, for a lot of people, it'll be things like tragedies 
Uh, injuries is a big one, uh, probably the one I have the most personal experience with. Um, a big reason why for a lot of people is because they struggle with dealing with their emotions and the way they deal with them is through food. Um, so mm. for a lot of people, regardless of what the bad thing is that's happening in life or the quote unquote bad thing, right? Just the, the, the experience that's going on, people will turn to food as their main way of dealing with that kind of stuff. Um, training, it doesn't usually, if you're consistent with your training and you're someone who like really enjoys the gym, it doesn't usually take that big of a hit. Um, but it's when you start to eat like shit, then you start to feel like shit, then you start to not want to go to the gym. Um, you essentially, you know, you pop one tire, so you decide to break all three of them. Um, but that's yeah. usually the, the initial trigger point, I think for a lot of people is they'll eat a really shitty meal, they'll order Uber Eats, they'll get a pizza because they're like, you know what, it's too hard today, it's all too much, you know, work and relationships and everything's just going on right now. It's just all too much for me. So I'm just going to take the easy way out right now. I'm going to eat my emotions because that's the way that most people, you know, it's the most easily accessible way for people to you know, quote unquote deal with their emotions. And I think it's the one that's frowned on the least, right? It's like, yeah, alcohol is not really frowned on. Drugs is pretty frowned on, frowned on um, porn. Like that's how we deal with it. It's like sex, drugs, alcohol, food. Like that is how most people deal with their emotions at the end of the day. And food is the most acceptable way to deal with our emotions as a society. That's why there's a guilt-free food, right? Oh, it's okay. You can deal with it with this guilt-free food, which probably has more calories. Um, when reality and people, it's like, we, we celebrate over food. We have, um, we commiserate over food. Like we, we share emotions through food. But I think if you have a goal, and this is for people who have goals, this whole podcast is people who have goals. Um, if you don't have goals, you're probably on the wrong podcast whatsoever. You should go join the Fat Dads podcast, right? Um, but we, this, this podcast is for people who want to be the best version of themselves, not the less than best version of themselves. So if you want to be the best, we're goal-oriented people. So we have goals and we're working towards them. And understandably, at times, we'll fall off the mountain as we're climbing to the peak, um, which is the best version of us. And we just need to scale our way back up the mountain and get to that next milestone. But I, I honestly think that the language that we do tell ourselves, and it's because we think there is some form of failure, okay? You cannot fail. This is infinite. If the game goes forever and there is no end, then there is no failure and you just eventually stop breathing. And that is called death. So if we understand we either win or we learn, and this is an infinite game, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going towards a diet and you're trying to transform your body and you're winning and you fell off the wagon, you did not fail. You just learned that keto is a pile of shit right? Or you just learned that you don't want to do Zumba classes or you just like, you're just learning because that's how we learn. We learn through trial and error and that's purely it. And as we move through this, as you're going towards the best version of you, you're constantly trying new things to see what sticks and to see what you love to do. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like you're doing the training with the highest adherence. And sometimes you try a couple of different training things out and you're like, oh, I didn't like that. I didn't fail it. CrossFit, I didn't fail at strongman or whatever it is you're doing. You just learned that, you know what, that's not aligned with being the best me. That's something I can stick to long-term, you know, same as paleo or keto or vegan, whatever it is, right? I think like 80% or 90% of vegans end up getting meat again. Like they didn't fail at veganism. They just learned that they really love steak. Um, so I think when you look at this guys, it's, it is always a win or learn mentality. 
Okay, I need you to drill that into your head. And all you're doing is you're constantly winning or you're constantly learning. And when you learn, that's when we start to win even more, right? I think that's so crucial. I think there's also like a societal perspective. And this is something that I learned again from um, a guy, Nick Peterson. I love his stuff. Um, People and society, they don't celebrate bad things not happening. We always celebrate (laughs) progress. And we celebrate, you know, we celebrate someone who has an amazing weight loss transformation, but no one's celebrating the person that never gained the weight in the first place. Mm. No one celebrated you because you just, you, you stayed the same. Oh, well done. Never putting on, um, you know, never, never going into overeating and, and consistently going to the gym. Well done on all of that. No, no one ever celebrates that. So there's almost a mentality, especially if you're, um, you know, if you are someone who has undergone a transformation and maybe you've maintained it for a little bit, um, you got a lot of compliments in the early days, but then that's just become who you are. And then it's, yep. it's almost like a dopamine effect of, oh, well, if, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not saying anyone's doing this consciously, but there is an, an element of, you know, if you let go of the reins a little bit, then it's like, oh, you know, oh, I've gained a little bit of weight. All right, I'm going to lose the weight again. Oh, people are going to celebrate. Yeah. Appreciation. Six, yep. six times. It's like, yeah, I get a birthday every six months because I just gained the weight in three months, lose it <laughs> yep. again in three months. Take a before and after photo, post it on Instagram. Everyone loves it. But, um, I think we need to celebrate it for ourselves. Bad things are not happening. And the biggest thing I've drilled into a lot of my guys is if they do have a couple of weeks where, you know, shit hits the fan, right? I've had, I think I have at least three or four guys who have COVID right now or some kind of flu. Um, it's just, you know, it's that time of year. It's, it's going around. And they are, I'm telling them, look, if we can just maintain at this level, if we just focus on like a bad thing not happening, right? Not gaining the weight back, that's going to be a huge win. Because you're not actively trying to achieve a goal, you know, unless unless you've just lost all your appetite. Obviously, you're going to probably shred down a little bit. But we're not actively trying to achieve a goal during that period of time. So if we can just do like damage limitation and just really focus on bad things not happening, it makes the effect of those times. Let's say, for example, you know, you do get sick or you are injured. If you focus on minimizing the damage as opposed to just going complete fuck it, right? You've got a bit of wiggle room. You can focus on a maintenance plan as opposed to going full YOLO, right? So focus mm. on the fact that you have achieved you know you have achieved a lot bad things didn't happen celebrate the fact that a bad thing didn't happen try to make sure that a bad thing doesn't happen and keep it just nice and and um and neutral during that period and then you'll have less to have to bounce back from once you sort of get back into the program completely agree mate i think like if you if you're down and out i think it's understanding you could have had a lack of um focus on short-term goals Right. So this happens, you know, Parkinson's law. We, we say we're going to lose 20 kilos in the next uh, six months or 12 months. And then, you know, we start really hot and we're firing. We crash these training sessions. We hit this really restrictive diet. And all of a sudden, you know, we're like, we go, oh, there's still 20 weeks into my goal. I've got 10 kilos still to lose. I'll get there easily. So we go off the wagon because we're like, I, I know I can lose 10 kilos in eight weeks. And then you're eight weeks out and you kind of maintained or you've gone up a bit. And you're like, oh, you know, how many times has this happened to someone? I've got summer in, you know, four weeks or six weeks. Can I lose 10 kilos? It's like, dude, summer happens the same time every year. You knew in July that summer was coming in December. <laughs> like, like you shouldn't have to get shredded in six weeks for summer. You should know that summer was coming. So this is Parkinson's law in like news resolutions. Summer's coming. The wedding. Why do you have to lose five kilos or 10 kilos before your wedding? You planned that shit like a year ago, right? Like yeah. you, you did it. So you had a lot of time, but we allow... We, we procrastinate, we procrastinate and we push it to the shortest possible thing, just like studying the night before a test. That's how we are as humans. So instead of doing that, we need short-term goals. 
We need weekly goals. We need monthly goals. And if we have monthly goals that keep us back on track, and your monthly goal sometimes can be, I'm going to maintain my weight, right? <laughs> that could be your monthly goal. And that's completely fine. Um, your monthly goal could be, I'm just going to lose 12 kilos this year, and I'm going to lose one kilo per, per month. That could be a goal. And then to do that, we have weekly goals. And that's when we talk about the gamifying the week and we're going to get back on that when we talk about this uh, getting back on track afterwards. But I think a big thing is making sure that we have a shorter delay cycle when we goal set, which will actually keep people back on track and doesn't let Parkinson's law dictate their output or lack of output. And don't underestimate how powerful variety can be in that process too. Like for me, especially when I'm probably like week three or week four into a, like a six, seven week training cycle. So like this is my last week of training, which is basically a deload, right? So I might do, depending on how my ear goes, I might do one or two sessions before I then start a new cycle, which is a new style of training, right? It's going to be rather than being straight sets, there's going to be more supersets. Um, I'm going to be changing up my exercise selection. So even though it's like my goal is still unchanging, right? My goal is still to gain mass. My goal is still to gain muscle. Um, that that little sort of uh, checkpoint of variety is what keeps me going and what makes me not go. Because if I was like, I'm going to train the exact same way for 20 weeks, but by, by week 10, I'd be like, this is fucked. I need to do something different. But having um, the, don't underestimate the power of introducing some variety. If you're, let's say your goal is a little bit longer term, like you are trying to lose 20 kilos over six months, having some kind of variety, you know what, I'm going to do, um, you know, four to six weeks of, um, you know, CrossFit. And then I'm going to do four to six weeks of this style of training or whatever, right. Just to kind of keep you, um, keep you mentally engaged because unfortunately our attention spans are a lot lower these days. I was, um, I was saying to one of our, uh, a guy I was chatting to on Facebook is in our free fit dads group, by the way, join that. If you haven't already great content going in there, if I do say so myself, but he was saying, Oh, like I've got this really limited equipment. It's starting to get really bored of the things I'm doing. I'm like, all right, well, you can still do the same exercises, but we can also vary up and have some variety around how we do them. Um, in the very early days, my brother and I would do, um, we'd do one week where we would do five second uh, negatives on all the reps. So we'll do like five seconds on the way down to really slow controlled negatives. We would do um, a week where we'd go super heavy, like three to five reps. Then we'd do a week where we go eight to 12 reps. Then we'd do a week where we just go like explosive training, right? And it would be, it'd be pretty much the same sort of stuff we do each week. But that additional bit of variety can really keep you going as far as the, um, you know, the point of setting those shorter term goals or just those shorter term little checkpoints that you can hit. Yep. Tick that onto the next stage, as opposed to thinking, fuck, I've got 20 weeks of shredding or 20 weeks of bulking. No, no, no. In six weeks, I'm going to change my program. I'm going to do some different stuff. Oh, I haven't done these bicep curls in a while. I'll throw those in there. Yeah. That novelty, it really has an impact as far as keeping motivation, keeping you on the wagon as opposed to off it. Completely understand. Agree, mate. So I think also what could cause you to fall off the wagon guys is you were doing something completely unsustainable. Mm. Um, so I've talked to a lot of people in the past and even as they come onto our program, I'm like, okay, what are you doing and what have you done and why didn't it work? It's like, well, whenever I try and lose weight, I do keto and I'm like, okay, well, how did that work? It's like, oh, it's fantastic. Every time I do, it, I lose 10 kilos. And I was like, well, how many times have you done it? They're like, oh, four or five times. I'm like, so you've lost and gained the same 10 kilos four or five times. Do you think that is the correct way to do this? Or do you think you'd rather understand how to eat where you don't limit carbohydrates, lower protein, have a higher fat, less social engagements, and can actually eat to your goals whilst enjoying the food you love and then keep that same 10 kilos off for the rest of your life? Do you think that is a better way to do it? And they're like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. I'm like, well... 
And again, guys, I'm not bastardizing keto for all the you know YouTubers out there about to come at me. Um, it is something come at us. I think like keto is something that I can implement and Jace can implement given the right circumstance and the right context. All right. Mm. The only problem is most people don't need a keto diet, right? They just don't. Um, you know, the reason why it works so well is that like you're just cutting out a whole food group and you're focusing on, you know, two macros and you're cutting out basically social engagements. You're cutting out a lot of alcohol. You're cutting out so much stuff. Of course, it forces you into calorie deficit, you lose weight. But the only problem is you don't learn. You're not learning really anything. Um, you're learning how to be less social. And then all of a sudden, when you become more social again, you put that weight back on. And there's no, no world I ever want to live in where I don't eat pizza. So I want to also understand how could I still lose weight, keep weight off and keep eating pizzas and burgers and smash tacos and all that sort of stuff that's going around at the moment. So I, I think it's understanding, is your plan sustainable long-term? Yes, no. No, okay, find a new plan. You just learned that you did the wrong one. Is your training sustainable long-term? Yes, no. Uh, and it might be tough and you might scale it back. There is times of higher amounts of training and, and lower amounts of training, but that's inside we're cycling that in on purpose okay but if you're trying to do something that's super intense and you keep getting injured it's like okay clearly this training style is not for you um are you trying to constantly hit a certain number of steps or you're trying to spend three hours a day in the gym well that's not long term either and then when you can't spend three hours a day you just throw the baby out with the bath water i don't also know where that um saying came from because I don't think you should ever throw a baby out with bathwater, but um, I mean, we, who's we... actually throwing out bath? I mean, <laughs> I, I'm imagining the um, like the olden days. There'd be in, like I'm imagining these like new old like 1950s New York style apartments. Probably earlier yeah. than that. Let's be honest. Um, 1950s. I'm pretty sure they had plumbing. But um, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm a nutritionist, not a historian. Um, but yeah, having having a, you know, a little tub that you wash, and then you've got to throw it out the um, out the window because they don't have drainage, and so you know, forget you. You're a sleep-deprived parent. You forget that the baby's in there, or maybe you're just like, "Fuck!" Screaming stops when I throw it out the window. Um, I think that's but, where it comes from. But but also, I feel like these analogies also go to extremes. And when I go to extremes, oh, yeah. Liv tells me off. It's like there's m many ways to skin a cat. Who's a, who's skinning cats? Like who's going around skinning cats these days? I have no idea. Um, so I was like, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, guys. And let's not skin any cats. Let's make sure that we're fo focusing on something that is sustainable, training that's sustainable, nutrition that's sustainable, steps that are sustainable, um, long-term. Um, and you're cycling. If it's periods of high intensity, it's a planned cycle that you know there is a light at the end of the tunnel that you're going to, which allows you to sustain this as well. I think that is a big thing. I think a big thing is also, you know, did you have support? Mm. Because, and also when you fell, did you reach out to support? And this is a funny thing that we do, right? Um, we don't reach out and some people don't even have support. So they don't really know or want to tell people that they failed or learnt. Um, Jace, you want to go into the support argument? Yeah, I feel like it kind of comes, it's a big part of, um, in my head, the whole influencer generation where all the people that you're seeing, right? A lot of people, especially when they're working with a coach, they'll probably see that coach's social media and they'll see that they're crushing it all the time. They're, they'll see that they're doing all this amazing stuff. They're jacked and they're, you know, they're just, you know, hitting all these PBs all the time, doing, you know, eating great food, choosing the chicken salad as opposed to the burger, all that kind of stuff. And then they kind of get in their own heads like, oh, should I actually reach? Oh, what if they're disappointed in me? What if I let them down? And one of the big fears that we tend to have as, as human beings is the fear of, of not being being good enough 
right? And not being worthy essentially. Mm. And we'll have that as a big, that's a big, um, a big cycle that will play out in people's lives is constantly doing things out of fear of not being good enough and not putting themselves out there because they fear that that's the way that they're going to be judged. And they'll do that with their coach. They'll do that with their support network where they won't reach out to the people who are they're either paying or that they're, you know, that know that they're there for support. Um, part of their job description. It's like, you're depriving them of my job. It's like going out and telling the garbage man not to pick up your fucking garbage, right? No, no, no. I want to keep this bin. Really? Why? It's full. You're going to have to, it's going to overflow next week. Your house is going to start smelling. No, no, no. It's my bin. I know, I know I pay a service to you to do this, but I'm not going to use it. Right? It, it makes no sense logically, but it's not a logical decision. We don't want other people to sort of see us fail, especially just in this generation where we are seeing a lot of, you know, you see these jacked guys on, on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and, you know, and here on this podcast, at least one of us is, is jacked, you know, the other one's getting there. Um, <laughs> the, the, the issue with that is that it's, it, you kind of you need to have the conversation, but you're too scared to have the conversation or you're worried of being judged. And then you just, you don't reach out to the help that you have. Um, and that perpetuates the cycle where then you fail and then you're like, oh, but I should have reached out because your coach, you reach out and then you're like, oh, this coach actually made it sound so much better than it is. And I used to, you know, in my previous coaching career, I'd have a ton of clients that would eventually reach out and say, oh, this is actually not as scary as I thought it was going to be. You know, I thought you were going to be hard on me or I thought you were going to, you know, rake me over the coals. You know, another, another very, uh, very severe analogy, raking someone over the coals. Like, geez, like, <laughs> We're just uncovering it all here, but that's not what a support network is for, right? Like the support is meant to be, and if it's, if this isn't what your support is like, then you need better support, but your support is like, okay, cool. This has happened. Now let's take a look at what to do moving forward, right? Unless you're like a psychologist, we don't need to go unpacking, you know, your childhood trauma and all this other kind of stuff, but we can say, all right, this has happened. Let's analyze why it happened. Let's go through that. Let's make sure that doesn't happen again and let's learn from it and let's make a plan moving forward. It, that's not a scary conversation to have. So if you're feeling like the, that conversation is going to bring up shame and guilt and all this other stuff, it's a reflection point. But also if you have that conversation and it does feel like shit, you need better support. 100%, man. I think when we're looking at this, you touched on, again, the catastrophizing. So we don't reach out to our support network because we have this fear of being judged negatively. And I think that's the biggest thing. That is one of the biggest fears. What is the um, one of the biggest fears that someone has is public speaking is because they stuff up and there's a fear of judgment. So we get, feel like even, I'm going to tell you this right now, no one cares about you at all as much as you think they do because they have their own shit they're dealing with. So like they don't care about enough about your shit because they're dealing with their own. They have their own problems. And I tell you what, if everyone threw their problems in a pile, you'd probably just grab your own ones back. Um, so I, I want you to get over yourself. Okay. With this and understand that, you know, you, you shouldn't have anxiety. It's like the easiest way to do something is to rip the bandaid off. And then the crucial conversation or the uncomfortable conversation with anything in life, you blow it up bigger than it is and you normally have it and you everyone listening to this probably as well they've had this tough conversation they're like oh that wasn't tough at all it was just a conversation and that person mm -hmm. was really understanding and they supported me um because we we keep making this harder and harder and bigger and bigger and that's what gives us the anxiety around it and that's what it then continues to prolong us not having that conversation so rip the bandaid off reach out to the support they are there for you if and also if you haven't got support in the past and you're starting a journey you need to find support. Um, the biggest thing also, 
we cannot compare ourselves to others. Every single person is on their own journey. Every athlete was once an amateur and you becoming the best version of yourself and your health and fitness, that is the athlete version of you. So everyone is on a journey to athlete and everyone started at amateur. So some people are just further along at the athlete standpoint because they started earlier or they learned faster. Um, and that's all. So with this, you're somewhere on the spectrum between athlete to amateur. And it's understanding that you cannot compare yourself to anyone else's journey because they've dealt with their things. You've dealt with your things and no two lives are exactly the same. So you can't compare your body or anything like that or how many times you fell off the wagon. It is you. You can't compare yourself to Instagram or what someone else eats or whatever it is. It is just you and you compare yourself to you. And if you fell off, it's like, okay, well, I fell off before. I want to fall off and I want to stay down less this time. And that's it. Um, the last thing with this uh, part of it is, you know, your support network is probably the most crucial thing. And if you fall off the wagon and you go to your support network and they say, oh, it's okay, mate. You didn't need to lose weight anyway. You know, everyone falls off their diet. You know, it's okay. You don't need to do that again. Yeah, you know, diets are unsustainable. No that, one ever actually yeah. succeeds at them. You know, no oh, yeah, you can't go to the gym long-term. If that's your support network, tell them to fuck off, okay? Like, I'm just going to put it clearly. You want someone who goes, dude, like you fell off, that sucks, right? Uh, let's let's look at why you fell off, okay? And let's also look at why you actually wanted to start this in the first place. Tell me why. Remind me why. You tell me why you started this. Oh, I wanted to be a role model for my kids. Oh, I wanted to be a better version of me. I wanted to have more energy. I wanted to be a better partner. I wanted to have confidence when I get into the summer weather and take my shirt off. That it's we like, know is coming. That we know is always coming. Um, so when we look at this, guys, they they are someone that holds the. They're, they're there for you. They're there for you to listen. Okay, they're there for you to like just unload for a second. But they're also there as a mirror. I was like, no, nah, mate. Like you started this for a reason. I'm your support network. You fell off the wagon. Remember why you started. Pick yourself back up. We're gonna meet again next week, and you're gonna be back on track. Because the best version of you isn't sooking in the corner. The best version of you is continuing to move forward towards that goal. Um, and that's the kind of support network you need, not some form of molly coddling. You need someone who's going to tell it to you straight, who's going to keep you accountable and motivates you to get back on the horse or the car or in the Uber to keep going towards your goal. 100%, 100%. I think that's a good time to transition into what are some of the strategies that you can enact, right? Obviously, if you have a support network and a coach, they're going to be able to support you with this. Again, they should be able to support you with this. Uh, you know, if not, hit us up, Fit Dads Club. The, the, some of the tactics that you can use if you're doing this on your own is the biggest one that I give a lot of my guys, and this has been a big one recently with a lot of people getting sick. Um, having issues with training has been a big theme lately um, in, in guys that I've seen where it's, uh, whether it's injury, whether it's a time constraint, um, and as a result of not training, as a result of not training as, as often or as hard as they would like to, then they, again, they throw the baby out with the bathwater, they slash the rest of the tires, um, they give up on the rest of it because like, I can't train, so what's the point? I was like, look, I can understand that from the perspective of like, if you're trying to grow muscle and you can't train, yes, you're eating more food and, and there's, there's probably no point continuing to try to bulk. You know, I tried that once I got to 105 kilos and it was pretty much all fat. So um, take it from me. It's a, it's, it's a, it's, it's an, we called it an enthusiastic bulk back in the day. Um, so <laughs> it was very enthusiastic. 
but when it comes to trying to shred and what's a lot of guys like i would say 90 percent of dads that come to us are looking to drop the beer belly drop the couple of extra yeah. kilos right so if that is your goal and you're not able to train yes does that mean you're not going to be getting the most optimal results in the world yes but life is never optimal right life is never it's chaotic right you've got to embrace the chaos of it and the biggest thing that i tell my guys is to focus in on what you can do and do that to the best of your capacity all right cool I don't care if you can't train this week or the next two weeks, whatever. What can you do? Are you able to get 6,000, 8,000 steps in a day? Is that going to be your, your minimum? Cool. Let's do that. And let's nail the nutrition, right? That's only something that we can control. Have you got the capacity to focus in on that? Well, yeah, I, you know, I can't train like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a bit injured or I broke my foot or whatever, um, but I can still cook and make my meals. Awesome. So let's nail your nutrition and let's use that lever and lean on that lever a little bit more to continue to get yourself the results and get back into this by focusing on the things um, that you can control. And it's actually fascinating to me that people neglect their health and fitness when things are spiraling out of control in their life. Because I find when people tend to have things that spiral out of control, like you, know, you have tragedy, you have injury, you have um, you know, your partner leaves, you all this other kind of stuff, then you often want to cling to something that you do have control over. And you often do want to take control of an area of your life. And for some people, they just, they'll just let it all go out the window and they'll spiral down out of control. They'll order pizza, they'll do that, they'll play video games, they'll smoke weed, whatever it is. But I find that most people actually want to take control of some area of their life. And sometimes that means going off plan because like I'm taking control. I'm telling myself what to eat now. My coach doesn't tell me what to eat, whatever. But I want you to view it as taking control of a certain part of your life and saying, you know, you know what? When everything else is going to shit, I know I can at least control what goes in my mouth and how I move. I can control those two things. Those are the factors that I have power over and I'm going to do those parts to the best of my ability. And you can almost see it as taking control back in a chaotic time and giving yourself that sort of internal sense of certainty and building from there. That's probably the biggest tip that I have. Oh mate, hundred percent. It's like, as we've always talked about in the past where your focus goes, energy flows. So if you're currently injured or something ha currently happens and you're constantly focusing on why you can't do something, you'll find all the reasons to support why you can't do something, right? What you look for, you will find, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. And, and if you understand I'm currently injured, now I get to, focus on, I get to get really good at my nutrition. I get to get great at creating recipes that taste good because I'm not training as much at the moment. So I have more time. Okay. Cause time doesn't just get dispersed into the ether. You have that time back. If you're not currently going to the gym as much, and I'm going to really focus on creating some great recipes. So when I can get back into the gym, I can have more flavor, some food and I can still train. So it's like start to focus that energy and go, everything happens for you, not to you. So this injuries happened for me. And it's going to help me dial in my nutrition further. It's going to help me maybe focus on some meditation. It's going to help me maybe focus on some stretching and mobility because I needed that. It's going to help me um, get my steps in and be like one with nature. I don't know why it's going to help you, but you have to decide how it's going to help you. Focus on the positive, not the negative. And all of a sudden, you start doing more positive things. Like nothing great happened in a negative headspace. And that, that I think that's what we have to understand. So focus goes energy flows focus on the good focus on what you can control it's going to give you much less anxiety in life you can only focus on your effort and your attitude so it's like focus on those two things that's it um and then we need to start small i think this is one of the biggest things i tell most people you have to start small when you're getting back into it because winning is created through momentum 
And if we try and go with some crazy unsustainable thing at the start, uh, when we're trying to gain back that momentum, you constantly feel like a failure. And failures are very rarely gain momentum. So instead, I'll tell a lot of my guys, it's like, okay, well, let's not focus what we were doing. We're getting back on track. Over the next seven days, I just want you to hit, you know, a minimum of 7,000 steps a day or a minimum of 6,000 steps a day. And that's going to be one point. I want you to hit minimum of two two training sessions, okay, over these next seven days. Just two days. That's all I want you to do. Okay, that's going to be a one point each. I want you to track maybe, uh, I want to be under your calories three days or four days of the week. And um, that's going to be four points. <clears throat> so we've got two points for training, four points for um, uh, our nutrition. We've got maybe seven points for our steps. So inside of all that, we're going for like 13 points for the week. And if you go above that, dude, you absolutely crushed it. But if we hit this 13 points, then you won this week. And then next week, you just do that. And they're like, man, I can do that. Of course I can. I was hitting 21 points a week beforehand. I was like, yeah, but I don't want you to focus on what you were doing. I want you to focus on right now because we need to create winning again. We need to create momentum again. And they do that. They score the 13 points. It's like, okay, man, we're going to score 16 points this week. And then over the space of four weeks, they start scoring those 21 points again. They start hitting their nutrition daily, their protein, their training, their steps. We've up-leveled the steps a little bit to make it a little bit harder because we don't want to create overwhelm. We don't want to create anxiety. We don't want to create more procrastination. So if we make winning doing more than what you're doing now, so it's slightly outside your comfort zone, but not so far that you're like, holy shit, even though I know you can do it, but it's enough that you're doing more than you're doing today, then in four weeks time, you're going to be absolutely crushing it. So start small, get momentum back. You know, the momentum creates winners and consistency. Then keep leveling up each time. Tell your accountability coach, partner, buddy, what you're going to do and meet them every single week. So you're staying accountable to doing that. And they make it a game. Get back to winning and make it back, get back to gamifying, getting in front. Yeah, think about it like a car. If you had to slam on the brakes and you know, call that falling off the wagon, you don't, and you were going in fifth and you had to slam on the brakes and you have to go all the way back down to a stop. You don't put it back into fifth and then try to let the clutch out your stall, right? You, you, then you try and do that again. Well, maybe I'll try fourth gear. Like you're going to fucking inch your way along. Put it, go, put it in neutral and push it. You'll go faster. You start in first because you gain that momentum. You don't have to be in first for that long right? Until you get back into second, then back into third, fourth, fifth, right? You know, we all know how gears work in a car, hopefully. Um, <laughs> it's, it, honestly, it's the, um, the same thing. And for the, for the dads here, and you know, if the mums are listening in the car as well, they'll understand this. It's the same thing when, um, when it comes to giving birth and, and dilation, right? It's, it was when it's a weird example, but bear with me. Um, I remember, you know, you get, you have a weird idea of what birth is going to be like because of um, TV and movies and all of that kind of stuff. They've really, you know, the whole thing was, oh, dilating nine centimeters. That's like the big goal to get to, right? But what they don't tell you and what they told us in the hospital is that it's actually the longest time is spent in the first two or three centimeters. Once those first two to three are, are done, and then once you've gotten to that point, it's like, then, then you basically accelerate all the way up to nine, and then you, you know, then then we're giving birth. So that's the same way as getting back into the system of things. Like the first part, it's a lot harder to go from zero to three than it is to go from three to four. Like for example, training sessions a week. If you're going from zero training sessions a week, you're falling off the wagon to three or two or three a week. That's a big jump. You're going from zero percent to two, right? Zero. It's like two hundred percent. You know, it's not even a two hundred percent increase. It's infinite increase because you weren't mm. doing it, now you are doing it taking that and going from there to three sessions and then from there to four sessions, that's only a 25% and then a third, like a 33% increase. It's not that big of a, of an increase 
right? Like I was telling my wife, I've gone from, uh, I've changed my setup. I was going three days a week to the gym. Now I'm going four days a week. Oh, it's only one extra day. You know, you're already going three days a week. Whereas if I wasn't doing anything and I was like, I'm going to go back four days a week. She's like, that's a, you know, that's a lot you've currently. And because your time would sort of fill and your, your tasks will fill the time that you give them. So even though you have the time to go to the gym, it kind of feels like you don't because mm. your time, everything else is expanded. You've got, you know, maybe you're more present with bath time and you're doing the bedtime routine now and oh, you're going to be cooking dinner a bit more and you're, you're taking a little bit longer because you're doing this different recipe. Oh, now I feel like I maybe don't have the time or I'll work a bit later because I'm not training. Then it's putting that back into place for the short term, ratcheting it up over time. Same thing with nutrition. If you're tracking, you know, zero meals out of a week and then you start tracking 21, right? It's a big thing unless you've had a hell of a lot of momentum from before <laughs> or you're very, very experienced with it. Um, yeah, you, you smash into something, but you just keep going. It's tough. It's tough. So remember that that momentum can only be created. You don't have to spend super long period of time in there, right? It's only a week or two, but it's enough to give you the momentum where that big lifestyle shift doesn't cause you to crash and burn again by doing something again that's unsustainable it's also potentially a sign that you just need a deload right mm. if you find yourself getting sick and and tired and exhausted all the time and it's kind of draining a lot of people when they're getting into this sort of stuff and they just keep pushing and training and trying to lift more each week and go harder and harder and harder they don't program it any time it's like sometimes you need a mental week break and it's about planning it before you need it so that you can manage it better so that you can really control it and it doesn't become something that you have to take because by the time if you get to the point where oh, i have to deload or i have to stop training for a while because i've been injured or i've gotten sick that's it's too late already you've kind of missed the boat and you're, you've over fatigued yourself so know and it's know the difference between what is actual mental and physical fatigue that you need to take a break from right like i was hitting that point last week which is why i went extra hard and i'm like cool you know my body's giving me a sign anyway now it's uh, it's blocked my ears up it's like you weren't listening so now i'm gonna make you not listen um so I've taken this week off, which has been really good. I'm still, I'm still eating fine because I planned it and I was intending to do this. It's not like I've fallen off the wagon. I've intentionally slowed things down to recover a little bit better. And then next week, I'm going to get back into it pretty light. I'm probably going to be you know, 30, 40 minutes in the gym. Then it'll ratchet up to like 45, 50 minutes and then I'll keep going from there. So keep in mind, there's a difference between needing a mental reset and then just kind of bitching out a little bit right so yeah that, that and that and that's something you always know like i always know when i actually need a rest versus when i'm bitching out it's just how i how quickly are you gonna um how quickly are you going to allow yourself to realize it mate i, I completely agree with you i think when we're looking at it the biggest thing for us to not stay down in the pit of despair, let's call it a pit of despair. Like you're down there and like, you can stay there for as long as you want. Right. But this is up to you. It's your life. You can sit there and wallow and be like, there's a, a right me mentor. yeah, yeah. Hey, there's a ladder you can climb out. It's, it's ready for you whenever you're ready, but normally to climb out for a dozen, for, and for it to not happen again, you need to own it. Right. Like ownership and the, the hero's mentality are the two things that you need to have to climb out and not fall back down the same way. Because if not, you'll just go, oh, there's a hole. Oh, I fell down that before. Let's fall back down again. You'll just keep falling down the same hole over and over again. It wasn't um, my fault. Who put that hole yeah, there? Who put that? They keep putting the same hole there in the same place. I just keep walking into it. Um, so it's like, yeah, exactly. It's their fault. And that's the problem because we're not owning it, right? We start to blame other people. We start to make excuses and we start to justify poor behaviors. So as long as we're blaming people for a current circumstance, you know, for falling off, as long as we're like making excuses, okay, as long as we're justifying the shitty behaviors, like they'll keep coming. 
and they'll keep coming at you until you learn the fucking lesson. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, until you learn the lesson, they'll keep slapping you straight in the face. And then some people are like, I don't want to learn the lesson. They give up, they have despair, and they get fat, and they're like, oh, well, um, it is what it is. But if you learn that lesson, you got punched in the face, and it's like everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Mark Tyson allowed us that little gem. Um, you got punched in the face, and you're like, okay, well, I need to understand how to not get punched with that same jab or the same hook or the uppercut. I can't get punched like that again. What did I learn? Well, I need to take ownership. My head was in the wrong position, right? Yeah. Okay, if I can own that, I'm not going to put my head in that position again. It means you're not going to get punched in the face that same way. You probably will get punched in another way, but you're not going to get punched that same way again. It's like I take accountability. I take responsibility for my actions. I take ownership you know, for becoming the best version of me. And because I take these three things, I learned from what I went through and I will climb up on that ladder out of despair, get back on my journey. I think if you do those two things, you know, we take ownership and we become the hero version of us, then we sit in that pit for, for less time and we start winning that game again, just like we said, and we get back on track and crushing it towards our fitness goals. I think, yeah, the other thing to remind everyone of as well is that the aspect that you talked about, which was getting back on, getting back into it, focusing on the enjoyable parts of it and focusing mm. on the things that you really enjoy doing. As you say, it's like when you're yeah. getting into uh, yeah, doing it again, you're not going back yeah. to pl plain chicken and broccoli, Dude. right? It's like, no. I'm, I'm going to get back on. I'm, you know what? I really enjoyed the protein pizza I used to make. I'm going to make the protein pizza. That's what I'm going to get back and doing. Um, I really enjoy, you know, um, either bodybuilding style training, right? I just enjoy, you know, smashing chest. I'm going to do chest three times this week. All right, yeah, cool. Fuck, at least, you, at least you're training. Dude, like, and I was saying to you this just before the podcast, it's like, like, like I said, guys, I've fallen off the wagon multiple times in my life. And whenever I've fallen back off and I love a higher, in, when I say high intensity, it's not lifting super heavy. I don't, don't mind that. Uh, but I love like hit style or, you know, let's call them Metcon based workouts, just something I enjoy. Um, but if I've fallen off the wagon and I haven't been training as much, um, the last thing I want to do is completely annihilate myself in the gym in a really hard workout. I just love hard workouts. I, I just want to train and I want to stay away from the hardest possible workouts ever. And again, David Goggins probably out there right now. If you listen to this, call me a little bitch. It's like, do the hard thing. It's like, no, man, I'm not going to do the hardest thing possible when I get back into it. Sorry, Goggins. Um, I'm going to do something I enjoy so I can get momentum so I can start doing hard shit again. Um, because all I would do is I'll go back into a bodybuilding style of training. Why? Because I love training more than I love the style of training. Okay. I think it's, it's the training for me that is a linchpin of my life. So, and that is who I am as my identity. So what I'll do is I'll go back into something. I'll start pushing some weight. Um, I'll drop a little bit of body fat. I'll start get back into momentum. I was like, after like four to six weeks, like one training block of pretty much the same thing I do whenever I want to get back into it. I'm like ready to start hitting it. And I'll start hitting some EMOMs again. I'll start hitting like, you know, and start lifting up the, the, uh, the aerobic and anaerobic intensity of my workouts. And I'll keep a bit of strength stuff at the start and I'll just start hammering. I'll create bigger workouts, harder workouts, you know, more, more intense. And I'll, I'll scale it up over about 12 weeks. And all of a sudden I'm there and I'm crushing it again, but I had to even change the style of my training so I can get back into it. Otherwise I would start and I'll be like, fuck, this is way too hard. Um, and I just wouldn't do it. 
So I need to do stuff that I enjoy personally as I'm getting back into it. Um, and like you said, it's the same as the food. If I'm getting back into my, my macro tracking and tracking my calories, I'll pick like the four or five breakfasts or lunches that I really love. I'm like, let's make this. And these are the four or five dinners. Like, let's make this. I can eat these for like weeks because they are so tasty. Like, dude, the, the food I'm eating at the moment, because I'm doing this sort of 21 day shred. Um, <laughs> like I would say like four nights out of seven, I'm having the same dinner. Liv's like, what do you want for dinner tonight? I'm like, same thing as last night. She's like, same thing. I was like, man, it's so tasty. I would have this every night. Um, like I have, you know, 250 grams of spud light potatoes, 250 grams of pumpkin. Liv parboils it. Then she chuck, like cut into one to one and a half centimeter cubes, parboils it, chucks into like the air fryer, the oven. So it's super crispy on top of that. So that's like my base of my meal. On top of that, it's like 250 grams um, of lean beef mince cooked with a taco or Mexican seasoning. On top of that, just some... Um, fresh tomatoes just chopped on top of that um we have some you know a little bit of diced onion on top of that it's like 25 grams of light cheese and it's about 750 grams of volume of food so it's still a lot of food and it's only just over 600 calories and about 60 ish grams of protein so it's a big volume meal which i love because i love to eat big um but it, it's so many flavors and textures going on that i'm like dude i can eat this every day forever and it's like mm -hmm. I, I, it's it tastes that good um so find some meals that you actually love and know you don't have to eat chicken and broccoli if you're getting back into it it's just you can eat you know according to your diet and make sure you have some vegetables in there um but guys i, I would say that's the biggest thing we stuff we want to get talk about today as far as if you've fallen off why you fell off how to get back on track jace is there anything else you want to add um, no, I mean, I think everyone's going to have a different getting back on track plan. Like for you, it's obviously that bodybuilding style training. For someone, it might be, you know, what, I'm going to do, I'm going to commit to doing, you know, three sets of push ups at home. And that's going to be my, my ratchet. And I'm going to go for one walk around the block, right? So um, again, this comes back to the point of not comparing yourself to other people's journeys, not comparing yourself to how other people get back on board and train. Um, it, it's all individual. So you've got to figure out what that is for yourself. But remember that as long as each week you're taking another step forward, that's all that matters. As the biggest point, this is an infinite game. This doesn't, it doesn't stop after the 16 weeks or the 10 weeks or the four weeks or fucking whatever. It just keeps on going. If you can improve a little bit each week for the rest of your life, by the end of your life, you'll be a fucking Adonis, right? But at the same time, life. your life will probably be longer, right? Let, let's just yeah. understand that. You'll yep. see your kids longer. You will see your grandkids longer. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like we, we get back on the wagon or horse and we just keep smashing it out because we want to keep improving because that will increase our longevity on this planet. And that means we get to share more moments with people that we love. Um, and that is why one of the big reasons why we train to be the best version of us and the best version of us is here for longer. Um, mm. So guys, if you need help, if you need that accountability with someone who's not going to mollycoddle you and actually tell you exactly what to do, hold the mirror up until your face, keep you on track, keep you focused, then that's who we are right? We are the Fit Dad Club. Go to fit-dad.club. Sign up for a call where we free call. Look at where you are, where you want to be, what's your obstacles that are holding you back and your challenges. We help you understand how to overcome those challenges. And then you can work with us if it's a good fit for you. Um, so fit-dad.club, you know, we have 21 day challenges to kickstart people just to kickstart those habits. And we have longer term, um, sustainable plans to really transform people's lives. That's what we do for a living is we turn dads 
for into the best versions of them in all aspects of their life. Also, leave us a review. Um, you know, rate us five stars, one star, whatever it is. Give us a comment. Shout us out. Share it with your friends. Share it with your mom. Share it with your granddad. Share it with anyone you want to share it with. Share it with your kids. It's up to you who you share it with. Just share it with someone who you think will benefit from it. Um, Chase, you want to share anything? To, uh, no. 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 All right, guys. Good. You said it all. Let's do it. Peace out, guys. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.